Alright. This is Tom Young, TomYoung.net, and um, I'm here driving in uh, Mark Dempsey's 365 GT2 Plus 2. And uh, we're coming home from uh, Cavalino 08. And uh, Mark's going to tell us about this. Uh, I guess it's really an adventure that you've had with this 365 from day one. Um, you found yourself out in, in uh, out at the Barrett Jackson auction, Scottsdale, looking to buy something, you know, something completely different. Yep. So uh, you went out there to buy a bat, right? Indeed, indeed. I've, I've always been a Corvette guy. My dad had a Corvette from when I was very young. In fact, I still have his his Corvette, and my favorite car of all time up until that point was a 1963 split window coupe. And I was very particular about what I wanted. I wanted fuel injection. I wanted silver. I wanted black interior. And one popped up that was going to be in Barrett Jackson, 2004. And you went in there with fairly knowledgeable about what you wanted and knew oh, exactly yeah, how much you weren't going to pay. You weren't going to be one of those Barrett Jackson guys that I'm screaming at. That's saying, right. He's paying way too much. That's right. Are you nuts? That's right. I, I, have a, I have a very good uh, associate that's a, a Corvette expert. And, and you also have history with your bet that you have. You have that's a, right. You have a, a chrome bumper. Uh, I mean, a chrome uh, rear. It's a 70... 73. 73. So, you, you know, you've been in bets for a that's while. Right. My Corvette guy had me come up, and I spent four hours with him going through a 63 vet that was in the middle of a complete frame-off restoration, and I I went armed to the tooth with knowledge. Right. And he told me a range of values for the car, and I got there, and I went over the car, you know, tip to tip, crawled underneath it, had flashlights, mirrors, right. you know, did my due diligence. Right. Everything looked good. The car was not a number 10 car. But you, you know, still had the potential that if you the wanted to make a number yes. 10 car, you could have done that. That's right. But uh, I determined that it was probably an 8.5 car, maybe a 9. Right. So I called my Corvette guy, and I explained to him what I had, what I had found. And he said, in today's market, that car is worth $55,000. Now, that was in what year? That was, that uh, was 2004. 2004, okay. $55,000, $60,000 tops. I said, okay, no problem. I talked to the guy that was handling the car for the owner who had passed away in the estate, and he told me that not a single person the entire time leading up to the auction had crawled underneath the car and done the due diligence I had Which done. starts to sound like that's what happens out there. It starts to uh, sound like that's what happens. I always suspected, but uh, again... I know. think a lot of people look at that and assume... And if it's at Barrett Jackson, then Barrett right. Jackson is standing behind right. that. But it's still buyer beware. You if know? you read the fine print, it's anything but that. Right. People should, cheap people should be aware of that in the right. future. Right. So the car goes across the, the auction block. Oh, it rockets! It rockets past my high you know, limit. My high limit and sells for almost well, two and a half times what my goal was. So I was pretty. I was pretty bummed out, and at the same time Barrett Jackson runs, there's an auction that runs called the Russo Steel Auction, which is almost right across the street. It's probably within a half a mile. So I figured we'll go over there and see what Corvettes they have, and you know, my wife was trying to pick me up. And we walk in the door, and there's a silver 
60, I believe it was a 69 GTC, and there was a red 365 GT. Right, Jackson, especially in the recent years, has started going away Very from thin. foreign yeah, cars and really just hitting the, the American muscle, and the other auction companies maybe figuring out that they were going to fill that market. They have a niche now, so that's right. They you got a, you got a, you know, a, a town full of, uh, a town full of muscle car guys, you know, in town, and then all of a sudden, hey, well, what's this, what's the, what are these red cars? Well, that's right, that's exactly right. So, we walk in the, we walk in the tent, these two cars are in prominent display, and my wife falls in love with both of them, but in particular the red one, but I look I like the two-seater, as most people would, but I didn't know, I didn't know Ferrari from Adam. So, I remembered that my, at my shop that repaired my Mercedes, that I'd seen some Ferraris coming and going, and my mechanic told me that he was a Ferrari mechanic. So, I was able to reach him the day of the auction, and he was able to educate me on the cars, and he assured me that they were both mechanically very sound cars that experience very few high those, those particular models were very those sound were yeah, strong very, very strong you know, single overhead cams you know not very complicated chain drive you know no belts to worry about so he, he gave me a high degree of um, assurance on the cars if they were mechanic these particular models if they were mechanically sound they would be durable and you know, that's right and he and he gave me a, also gave me a price range of what he thought he he also dealt and used exotic cars and he gave me a price range of what he thought the value was and I think the price range at that time he gave me was up to eighty thousand on the GTC and up to sixty five thousand on the on the GT so I came in armed with a tiny bit of knowledge as the auction approached. Um, I told my wife, I said, look, I'm going to go outside real quick. It was actually it was actually quite cold in Arizona that, that weekend, and it was a little bit rainy. So she stayed inside. I went outside. I wanted to hear the car start and run, and they got the car started, and it was running fine. I could hear that it sounded fine. No, no odd noises. No real smoke or anything. No smoke. Everything seemed fine, and there was, a, there was an 18-year-old... 19-year-old fella moving the cars around, which is pretty common at that auction, and he stalled the car out. Well, he had used the choke, started, stalled the car out, and then restarting the car, flooded the car. So now we've got the flooded car and the auction's ticking down, and then, in trying to get the car restarted, he kills the battery. So now they're dead in the water, and the owner's out there. The owner had told me that he was selling the car to finance a Maserati rebuild he was working on. And in about 15 or 30 seconds time, he had to make the decision of whether to push the car across the block or pull the car out of the auction. And he decided to push the car across the block. And um, Which is probably not a good thing to sell a car. I mean, you were out there hearing it start. You saw the whole thing, but now the rest of the audience... The rest of the audience have no clue. This old Ferrari just pushed up onto the... That's right. So I I came back in the tent, armed with a little bit more knowledge than some of the other folks. We pushed the car across. We almost got the car for $45,000, and then it was like suddenly somebody in the audience realized, hey, this car is going for almost nothing bid up to 50 and then I got the car for 51000 The hammer fell, and um, 
Then you found yourself the owner of a, uh, of a the Ferrari. Son, the son owner of a 365 GT Ferrari, and I knew very little about Right. So I went outside, and I had somebody take my my wife and my picture in front of the car. <laughs> and if you look at the picture today, I, I just have a stunned look on my face, like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we laughed, and we went out to dinner and celebrated our you know, our victory. And yeah, that's like that's that that was one of those things. Where I was like, I'm not going home empty-handed. So that's right. Oh my God, you know, I'm going home with a Ferrari. So instead of you were thinking you were going to buy another vet or something. That's right. Now a little bit before that, the GTC went across the auction block, and my my guy had told me, look, eighty thousand, and I didn't know any better. So I said, well, that's my limit. Right. And that car went for eighty-five thousand. Right. And of course, now right. in GTC retrospect, so. that was a bargain, right. also. Right. So. The next day, I got up nice and early, and I went to the Borders Books, and I bought myself the original V12 Ferrari book. And, of course, as everybody who has a 2 plus 2 knows, they, they touch on the 2 plus 2s, but it's not like they spend a ton of time on each model. But I, it gave me, you know, I was able to read about the car and learn a little bit about how rare it was and you know, what its mechanical components consisted of and, and what its... You know, what its marketing was for Ferrari, what they were after. I felt a good bit better. And uh, we left. We had to leave the car there, of course, and made arrangements to get it shipped home. And I guess it was about three weeks later we got a phone call. And I had it shipped straight to my mechanic because I wanted him to go over the car, you know, front to back. So we got a call and we went down and, you know, the truck pulled up and the car unloaded and all my kids were there and it was quite exciting. We got pictures of the car coming out of the truck, and and we uh, unloaded the car and left it with the mechanic, and he you know, puts a little bit of you know tender, loving care money into it, and we started driving the car. What we found is, as we drove the car and realized just how unique the car was and what a pleasure it was to drive, our our love for the car really started to grow pretty quickly, and we we got a fond attachment with the car. Well, what's amazing is that, you know, being a 365 GT2 Plus 2, I mean, you know, it's a very usable car, so, you know, with your family, uh-huh. and, you know, you can throw more stuff in the back, your wife, and, and, and you know, it had plenty of room for all, you know, and it, it's a very comfortable car. Well, that's it? right, and we had we had two Corvettes, we have two Corvettes, and there were many times where we, were, we would go out, we'd have somewhere to go, and we would want to take one of the Corvettes, but at the time our daughter was 11 years old, we couldn't take one of the Corvettes. So now with the with the 2 plus 2, we could go out on the weekends and she could come with us, and it was no problem, and that was a huge benefit. So we started driving the car, and I started learning more about the car, and um, I guess at some point... It was the 2006 FCA in Northern Virginia. We took the car to the field, and but I was a little late registering, so I couldn't be judged. But we went to the concourse field, and we really enjoyed that. We enjoyed the people we met. Now, just a description of Mark's car. It it act, it's a very very nice car. I mean, the um, the the paint it's it's been repainted, but uh, the paint shows well. It's a it's a clear coat base coat, but it's uh it, and it is painted uh, Rosa Corsa or Corsa Rosa and um, uh, and it has a uh, black interior. But 
So uh, just so you, you know, it, it, it shows really nicely. I mean, it looks nice from far, it, it, uh, you know, or not even afar, up close even. It, it just looks great. It looks yeah. like a great car. So you take it to 2006 FCA, the National Meet in Virginia. And as, as everybody's aware that's attended these events, the one thing that's you know, very nice about the events is the wealth of knowledge there is just incredible. And everybody is so friendly and more than willing to share their knowledge with you. So I was able to make friends with Brian Phillips in Alexandria. And Brian, Brian owns a, another queen mother. And um, very knowledgeable. He's been into it for ages. His father owns, you know, owns a Ferrari and has brought, raised, raised Brian right. That's right. He's a, he's a Ferrari guy through and through. But between him and his father, they have just a myriad of excellent contacts. You know, Tom Shaughnessy and some of the guys at uh, Classic Coachworks. And um, so that I was able to get people to look at my car and tell me well look it's a very nice car but you know you do have some issues so I started taking notes and started working on those issues in anticipation of going to the 2007 FCA so I I worked on things you know I would I worked on finding a a legitimate classic radio to put into it Uh, I worked on getting the proper clock and at that point, that was when you did the interior. Was that between 06 and 07? Yeah, it, in the summer of, I guess, in the early summer of 07, the stitching started to give way on the interior. My interior looked pretty good, but the stitching started to give way, and, and the driver seat in particular you know, developed a pull, and the stitching had given way. Well, you know, I don't know anything about upholstery. I just assumed you took it to a shop, and they just took it apart and re-sewed it and put it back together, but I was, obviously I was educated pretty quickly that they could do that, but now your stitching is going to be stronger than the leather, right. and well, then the you know, leather's going to get it, wet. It all depends. I mean, you can do it, and I've seen it done, but, you know, the, the amount of labor that it takes to take the leather covers off, if you can't get a needle behind, you know, sometimes you can take a, a, curved, mirror, a curved needle and get underneath and grab a stitch, but like you're saying, the leather also is seen, you know, 20, 30 years of, of age, and so what happens is it, it starts to get old, so when you start getting the strong new thread in there, it just cuts right through the holes of the, of the original holes, and, and just kind of pulls it anyway. Then, then you go from pulled threads to, to, to pulled seams, which are enough, and the holes are just cut right through, you know, and, right. and it's a losing battle, and usually, you know, the advice is that, you know, either just don't worry about it and let it go, because you're going to have to do it all, and uh, not worry about it, but if it really bothers you, the real choice is, you know, to just, just start all over again, um, you know, you can save it, and some cars I've seen, their preservation, they, they save it, but the, it, it's the... Energy and the and the cost is almost equal to preserving as opposed to starting fresh. Some cars need to be preserved, and therefore the same amount of labor and the same amount of time takes to, to you know and, and cost to do it. But but it's a car that needs to be preserved. For for your car, it was decided that you know it's just best to, to start all over. That's right. I, I educated myself along the way, and um, I had an opportunity to go up to uh, Radcliffe Motor Cars and Richard Gar's shop and 
And they're they're in Maryland. They're in Reisterstown, Maryland, and I had a chance to meet him and talk with him at length about what I wanted to do. And originally the project was going to be just the two front seats. And as we started looking at the car and getting into it, it didn't take long to determine that just doing the two front seats would leave the back seats, you know, and the the leather wouldn't match. And then all of a sudden you get the tunnel work. Pretty quickly, it was determined that a, a full redo yeah, on the awesome. interior, including carpet, would be would be the way to go. Especially right. since I was developing an interest right. in and the contours. You know, you match stuff. I mean, it's kind of like it, it's really difficult to match new stuff with old stuff. And and I think that you know when you look at the when you start matching tunnel to seats and door panels, then it's like well, the, the thing that's left is the rear seats. It's like. You know, when it's time to, if you decide that you're going to do the career seats five years now, it won't match the new seats that you did five years ago. So it's really... Exactly. You know, and that's and that's the education that Richard was able to give me. Is right. look, we can do this, we can do that. And he spent a lot of time with me. And um, he had an interior guy that, interesting enough, had never, ever done a Ferrari. But Richard assured me that, you know, his involvement with the project would be to, to work with the interior... Um, guy and make sure that he knew the nuances and details of a Ferrari. Right. Richard's also an owner. He owns a Series 2, 330, uh, 2 plus 2, and and so for him to say, well, you know, if, he, if somebody said, well, you know, I know an interior guy, he's never done a Ferrari before, you know, they can make a whole host of mistakes, but what was good for, for, um, for Mark was that Richard is an owner himself, so he's been looking at his car for years, so like for Richard to say, well, I'm going to look after the project, it's kind of like, I'm going to make sure he knows the little details that I'm very familiar with on these 2 plus 2s, so you can basically handhold your upholsterer through it. You know, usually I would suggest taking taking it to someone who's familiar with Ferrari that knows the, the certain top and the certain crease and the certain finishes that you need to go with, but, you know, at, but make, at the very least, make sure you know somebody or has somebody who's part of the project that is sent, has the sensibilities to, to direct the upholsterer, you know, because upholsters are in a different world. Upholsters, you know, unless it's an in-house Ferrari upholsterer, they upholster anything that comes in through that door. They'll do van seats, they'll do boat seats, they'll do boat cushions, and a lot of that stuff, there's no real rhyme or reason to it, but if they apply boat seat, you know, technique, which is durable and, and good to a Ferrari, It'll end up looking like a boat seat, and, and you don't want a Ferrari to look like a boat seat because the idea of it is that with the cost of Ferraris getting to the level, everybody thinks you know when something goes across the auction block and that's like oh well they just got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, my car is worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars if it's perfect, but if it looks like a boat seat, you're not getting one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for your car when it's time to sell. So you're kind of you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you don't. You know, if you if you don't start with the with the right materials, the right finishes, and, and sometimes it's not necessarily labor because the cost will be the same, but it'll look completely wrong. That's right. And so it was good to have Richard familiar with the car because he is also an owner, and it was good for him to hold handle. And and, and the result was uh, was really nice. I mean, it's a nice seat. And I said to market, okay, well now he doesn't have any of the patina. And now he doesn't have any of that old leather jacket look. But, you know, that's Mark's job now. You know, now right. that he's got I, this I beautiful interior, he can put his butt, you know, in his seat and make that, that mark on his seat. And what I set out to do is it, it's a car that we drive a, a fair amount. We probably put 
four or five thousand miles a year on the car. And, but I also enjoyed the concourses. So part of how we approached the project was with that in mind that it's, it was not meant to be a, a garage queen. It is meant to be drive driven, but we did want it as, as close to um, original as possible. And we were able to fairly easy find you know, carpet that was appropriate. And we were also able to find leather that was um, you know, very nice and, and, and appropriate for what we were doing. And, and the, the job that came out, it turns out, just from having my discussions with Richard, it, it appears that he visited the upholstery shop at least every other day. And as we get hot and heavy, he was at the upholstery shop every single day. And what was amazing was there were some things that changed along the way and some additional work that got plugged in, and yet there was never any talk about an increase in the, the price. So I was very happy with that. And just to share with everybody, if you're planning a project like this and you're budgeting it, you know, the work I had done, which was a complete interior with carpet, uh, front seats, back seats, and tunnel, and door panels, was, um, and the side back panels, was $15,000. Right. So you gotta, you got to be prepared that if, if you want to do it appropriate, you have to have a budget in mind that's going to get the right. job done. And, you know, I don't want to make, I don't want to scare people off, but I think Mark got a pretty good price on that. I mean, I've, I've heard different shops charge different things. Also, there's there are factors involved. I mean, you know, I don't know what the condition of Mark's cushions were. Um, if you look at my website and watch mine, my seats, when I did my seats, um, being labor being free, I still had to completely reform all the seat right. cushions. My, uh, my front cushions were gone. They, right. were, they had basically decayed into that that uh, yellow, crumbled, du right, yellow dust. Right. So there's there's different things that happen, and seat frames have to be... So it's give or take, but I've also heard, you know, it can be more than that. So I think that he got a pretty good price for that, and um, and now his upholsterer has a, a new, you know, another feather in his cap to, to say, okay, well, now I'm ready to, to tackle some more. And, and, um, and uh, you know, but it's still... When I first started, I used to think, hey, "What are they? You know, stuffing the seats with gold? You know, what what can they do?" But when you when you follow what I did with my site and, and when I did mine a few years ago, it's a lot of labor. I mean, it, and it's a lot of you know, it's it's a lot of fitting, taking off, putting back on, fitting, taking back off. Any upholsterers says they just go on like a Corvette seat or a Mustang seat, where you buy the you know you can buy a full interior for a Mustang for, for like two three hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> You know, and it, and it goes on pretty well, and it, and it looks, you know, the quality is that of a Mustang, and, and which is fine. But when you start talking to handmade and hand fitted and things like that, um, there there is a lot of lot of labor in the details, and um, you know, I think it did a pretty nice job. And, um, and when I visited the site, I, I was installing some speakers because the car was all apart because the time do that and run wires and things like that. So I, I, went to, I went up there at least two times where I spent a good part of the day at the shop. And to see the craftsmanship and skill is, is really impressive to watch. And if you have the job done, it, it's kind of an enjoyable to go to the shop and spend a couple hours in the shop and watch and see exactly what they do and to really get an appreciation of 
craftsmanship that goes into right. it. It's really right. neat. Right. So anyway, so you got the card. Then I remember sending you the seat foil that on the bottom of the seats, like a week or two or I forget. It was really right. pretty close to the courting because the, 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 the very, 2007 he was very uh, close to national court. FCA national event was in uh, Watkins Glen, according New York. And I remember um, you know meeting Mark or over the internet uh, through the site and, and him finding out as he's reading the post that, that I had found the, uh, the the Mylar foil for the uh, for the seats and, and, and right at the time that he, he said, hey, we can put that on my seats are being done right now. So I remember it was getting real close. I was I was going to Monterey and coming back and trying to get this stuff out into the mail before. and, and uh, but uh, So you got it to morning. It was, it, well, it was close enough that you drop, drop ship the uh, foil direct to the Right. Interior fella. Right. So it would all come together. And so we got the car to Corning, and we were getting a... We were feeling pretty good because we were getting just a lot of accolades from, you know, pretty knowledgeable people about the interior. Right. And according you, you... The display is on the main street right. for about four blocks, and there were Ferraris galore and a fair number of 2 plus twos and a pretty good representation of 2 plus twos. On the day of the concourse, they gave the awards that afternoon, and we were pleasantly surprised to receive a Platino award. Right, and we were actually, I got to meet Mark in person at the FCA National. Um, I, that was the time that I brought my 330 America to uh, to the event as well, so it was really nice to see his car, and it looked fantastic. And, it, and I think it, like we, I said, it looked really nice. I think we parked right next yep. to each other, yep. and I think Yale was on the other side of you. Right, right, and a bunch of guys from the New York area all drove their vintage cars. It was a nice showing of vintage cars, good, strong showing of guys, and you know, all of us knowing each other from the from uh, from the website and the forum, and then um, and then uh, you know, be able to meet in person and cross-introducing everybody and this right. is the guy with the that this is no this is Marco that's Yale on the, you know and that was a lot of fun Jim, Jim Walker from yep, yep, Michigan, from Michigan came in and then uh, you know Mike Meehan and with his C4 and and of course yeah. all of us were quite all of us were quite quite proud of one another for actually driving right we all drove you drove up from Maryland yep. I drove uh, four or five hours from uh, from the, from my house and, and Yale drove four or five hours from New York City and and uh, Jim driving all the way from Michigan, it was great. I mean, we were showing that this, you have to drive him. You have to drive him. And, and uh, I, I think everybody arrived and went home flawless, round That's trip. Right. That's all right. of us. That, all the two plus twos drove, and they all had uh, no problems. So Mark thinks that, uh, okay, a Platino Award, I, that's pretty good. I'm going home with the with the, with the Platino Award. So then he goes to the, to the awards dinner. Uh, the last event of the of the of the weekend, I think, and uh, and what happened there? Well, we're we're sitting at the table, and we have a pretty good group of friends at the table that we had met, you know, over the years, and they're giving the awards, and we're not behaving as well as we should. We're kind of you know talking and you know, trying to trying to behave, but still talking to one another and enjoying each other's companies, and they go to give the uh, you know, the best two plus two show award. And, I knew that I was the only 1969 in the show, and I'm having a conversation, and in the, in the background I hear, in Best 2 Plus 2 of Show Award, a 1969, and that's when I knew that that was us, and I was just stunned. It was just, you know, it was like icing on the cake, 
and it happened so quickly and so unexpectedly that when we went up to get the award, I had inadvertently went up to get the award without my jacket, and in fact my wife was wearing my jacket because she was cold, so the picture of us getting the award is with my wife swimming in my suit, in my coat jacket, and me wearing you know, no jacket, my tie all pulled to the side, so... That's great. That's you know, great. We got the award. We were quite stunned, um, and, quite and, you know, happy. Was, and you, you deserved it. You were you, you had some pretty stiff competition. I mean, you know, there is some really nice 2 plus 2s there. I mean, I'm not saying that my, you know, like I said, I I was very proud of the award that I won, and I thought that you absolutely deserved, you know, uh, getting that award, and I thought that that was just the topic of the, you know, the topic of the weekend. That must have been a great deal. It, it was, and it made, you know, the... Drive home, you know, getting home, sharing with the family the experience, showing them the awards was that's great. It's quite exciting. That's great. So now that was August of 2007, and um, we started going to the fall and into the winter. So I, I start to look at Cavalino, and I said, well, if I'm going to go to Cavalino, I, I need to drive. Well, how if I'm going to I'm going to talk the talk about driving the car, then right. I've got to drive the car. There's no other way I could go to right. Capilino. And I started kicking around going to Capilino, too, and I wasn't really sure, you know, how it was going to go. I was, I, you know, every year you kind of, you know, hem and haw about going or not. And then, you know, Mark and I started talking, and Mark says, I'm thinking about driving down. And I and I just wrote him back and said, well, you need a co-pilot. And I, and I knew that, you know, when you say you need a co-pilot, you know, the connotation is there's a lot there's a lot of different levels. It's like you know, well, is his wife going? Am I excluding his wife? And, and I mean, does he does he want me to drive? Because you know, it's, it's a long haul down down I-95 from Maryland. And uh, he said, well, let me get back to you. It was right in the middle of the Christmas holidays, so we're all both of us kind of you know dealing with our family stuff, but at the same time cooking up this plan. That's right. In January, towards the end of January, to head to Gabalino. We we talked back and forth, and then. Um I went to my wife and I said, look, you know, we talked about going to Cavalino. We are coming up within a week of, you know, having the deadline of when we have to pull the trigger. Um, but if you don't, if you don't or can't go, Tommy would like to go and ride, you know, shotgun with me. And, and she, she looked at the schedule and when it was falling and it just so happens our youngest daughter had some activities my wife didn't feel that you know she could miss, so I called Tommy and I said, I guess we're on. And I think it came down to the point where I even had to overnight, I had to overnight everything down to Cavalino to make sure I get in under the wire. Right, right. And so we, you know, and I said, this is perfect because, you know, I get to go down and, you know, drive down in Mark's car. Mark's got his car all together. And, you know, although I considered driving my car, I didn't know if I really wanted to show, but it would be great to show up in Cavalino with a, with a 2 plus 2 and what the whole, you know, idea of the website was about. And, and um, you know, so I started throwing out there where and what we're going to do. And, you know, uh, down in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, I believe, you know, Bill Tracy, another Ferrari owner, um, said, well, hey, if you guys are coming down, you know, you, you got to stay with me. And I have a driveway and a, and a nice garage and, you know, going to park, I, I'd feel better if you had a place to park and you could clean all the bug, bugs and everything off of your car, and I, you know, again, you know, another internet friend, and I said, sure, if that's okay with Mark, let's let's do that, I mean, just the idea of even, even if he just provided us a place to, to uh, clean the car, 
you know, we had talked about renting a car in case, you know, you didn't want to have that car on the Ferrari for just getting around town. Um, we thought about doing that, but now all of a sudden he said, you know, if you rented a car, where would we leave our car so that we could exactly. feel comfortable about leaving it for a long period of time? And then Bill was just like, just use, use my house. And in fact, why don't you just stay? I have plenty of room. And, and um, you know, it, it was just, uh, we, we, he said, it sounded like a really good plan. It, it yeah. was a really good plan, so we just hatched it from there. And, and uh, next thing you know, as we got closer and closer, you know, I met Mark at his house left my house at 15 degrees, uh, you know, and, and uh, snow on the ground, drove down to Maryland, and uh, spent the night, and first thing in the morning, jumped in uh, Mark's uh, car. As we packed the car, we uh, we realized that uh, it's a good thing we have a 2 plus 2, because with two garment bags, and two bags, and a couple pairs of shoes, and everything like that, if we were trying to do this in Lusa, we would have had to leave something at home, and it was, a, it was just one of those pleasant things of like... Yeah, Mark regrets buying the 330 GTC. He could have tripled his money, quadrupled his money, da-da-da-da-da. You know, would have, would have been a tougher But trip. really, you know, a lot of things, you know, people look at what they want and they covet the, the real high-end sexiness and all that other stuff. But I tell you, you know, there's something to be said about driving 1,100 miles in one direction with everything in the trunk, nothing in the passion compartment, nothing stuffed up where you drive a pad looking through the windows and everything's pressed up against the window because that's the only way it fits. We drove down like we're just going for a Sunday drive because everything has its place, it's comfortable, it's quiet, relatively quiet. I mean, I hope you can hear enough of this podcast as we're doing it. Well, if not, they have the luscious noise in the background. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about that, that this, these 2 plus 2 cars are just fantastic cruisers. I mean, just not a beat we missed. Now, I remember as as we're planning this and we canceled some hotel reservations we made when Bill was, you know, came up and said, hey, look, I'll, I'll host you guys, no problem. Remember, we've never met Bill right. except for through the Internet. Right, but at the same time, I never met Mark until That's I was right. walking through. So... My mother, of course, being old school and reading things in the paper. And, and rightfully so. I and rightfully so. My mom gets wind that, you know, first I'm driving with somebody, you know, for 1,100 miles that I've met well, one time. Sorry. And other than that, no on the Internet. And two, then the two of us are going down and staying at Bill's house, who we've never met. And it kind of reminded me, her concerns reminded me of the, of the Bud Light commercial where the guy's driving with his girlfriend and the guy's on the side of the road with the axe. Right. And the guy's like, hey, should we pick him up? And the girlfriend's, what are you, crazy? He has an axe. And it's like, well, yeah, but he's got Bud Light. So they pick him up and they drive a little further and it's like, hey, should we pick him up? And the guy has a chainsaw. Right. And the axe guy's like, well, he's got a chainsaw. He's like, yeah, but he has Bud Light. So my mom's all worried and my mom says, well, how do you know one or both of these guys aren't axe murderers, and I look at her just as serious as could be and said, well, Mom, I don't. Right. Yeah, but they have a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> but they have a Ferrari, right. exactly. Right. So we we made the trip, and it was um, beautiful weather, a little bit overcast, which is actually a great way to travel. We, we split it up perfectly, because my sister uh, lives in Savannah, and uh, although, unfortunately, she was out of town, she certainly said, you know, let yourself in and and, uh, and use that. So it was a good halfway point where we did a you know a quick nine hours from Maryland down to uh, down to Savannah. Spent the night, turned around, got up, and did a six I think a six hour ride down right, into, into 
West Palm Beach or Palm Beach area and, and got in for the for the event. And you know, usual thing with uh, me, you know, dragging Mark around to all the things that I have to do, you know, because of, of the internet and also just the you know the, the grace of all the all the old timer old two plus two guys. You know, we got uh, you know we we usually get invited to, to go to a couple events and a couple of things and. Uh, you know, and so like I said, I dragged Mark up to follow me around as, as I'm doing a dinner or doing a this and meeting these people. And also, Bill has a lot of, you know, Bill's a 348 owner, so he kind of has all the connections with the newer car guys. So it was fun, you know, it was a good mix. It was. You know, it was. I mean, as much as it's the, the new Ferrari guys don't mix with the vintage Ferrari guys, um, it was still a change, a fresh change because, um, you know, the dinner conversations on some of these things with, with the new Ferrari guys. You know, it's all about passion, but, you know, it, it, it gives me a lot of insight to seeing what, what guys you like, the younger cars. And um, otherwise, you know, we kind of talk to our own vintage crowd. We stick to our own vintage crowd. You know, it's not like, the, you know, we, we really understand, you know, what goes on in that. And, it was you know, it was really nice to, to get a little glimpse of that. It was. You know? And in fact, in fact, sometimes car people in general remember on our... On our ride home, we we decided. I mean, our ride down, we decided to stop and you know sit down for lunch so we could relax. And the car was running great; it was a smooth ride. Tommy and I, you know, yacked the whole way about the cars and politics. Solved the solved the world. Solved all the world's problems, and we're having a great time. And we we stopped at a Big Boy, I think it was, or a Shoney's. Yeah, Shoney's. We stopped at a Shoney's. There was almost nobody there, and we went in to have lunch, and I went out to do something to the car and came back, and a, a um, Suburban had pulled up, and I could see an SECA flagman outfit in the back of the Suburban and some stickers on the Suburban. And when I went and sat, to Tommy, sat with Tommy, I said, hey, there's a Suburban that pulled in with an SECA flagman's outfit in it. Well, as it turns out, Tommy had watched the people come in, and they had seen the car. And when they came in, they started trying to spot who owned the yeah, car right. because it was obvious they wanted to talk they, about the they car. Would, they walk into a showdies and try to figure out who owns the Ferrari. Yeah. So, you know, so I was just wondering. I always look at this as, well, you know, if you see a Ferrari parked in the parking lot, you know, there's a stereotypes. The stereotypes are stereotypes because that's what because it's a common dress right. or whatever it is. Right. So. As they're scanning the, the group of people in the in the restaurant, I was like, I wonder what in their mind's eye they're looking right. for. You we know? had no gear on. We no. had no Ferrari well, I gear usually on. never wear any of that right. Ferrari stuff. So they, they so wound finally up they sitting next, next to us. Exactly. And it just took them a while. Because, right. of course, Mark doesn't know any of this. He sits down, and it just so happened that I think Rhea Originals had, you know, because he had been ordering parts, and they had called it. He sits down and goes, oh, that was Rhea Originals. They wanted, you know, obviously, the... You know the sound bites and, the, was the, and the, a couple nouns that he uses. You can see the guy's ears perking up because he's thinking it's all oh, it's these guys. And then we start talking, and he turns out to be a you know he's heading down to 24 Hour Daytona to, to flag for SCCA. Exactly. And so it was great. It was like you know Mars kind of blown away because it was just like out of the middle of nowhere. You pull over a Shoney's and there's a you know you're talking about cars and well, you know, she the, tracks the car. You know they, she's tracked cars. Right. And, and not only that, but they were from you know maybe 40 miles from oh, yeah, where I live. Right. 
and he flags all the time at Summit Point, which is right. where I tracked one of my cars. Right. It was like a small world right. story. That's right, in the middle of nowhere, right off of 95. But they were excited to talk to us. We were excited to talk to them and hear stories about flagging and right. where he's been and what he's done. Right. It was one of those car guy things. Right. So without getting into the, all the details of, of this this uh, this Catalino 08, which you know I'll cover in the in the website. Um, let's let's so so now you enter your car, Cavalino, which we could probably talk about at another time. But you know, so end product is you know after it's like the Mark went to the prom. You know, he went to the thing and yes, he brought I did. the girl. He brought his date to the prom, and uh, and what happens? Well, the you know the judges came and there were judges that I I met before and well, coincidentally, quickly on a side note, we we had gone out to a dinner, which uh, you know again I'm invited to. to some of the guys who've been in Ferraris 20, 30, 40 years, and, and uh, you know, it's always a great potpourri of, of, uh, of the old guard and some of the new, and I guess I'm some of the new, and, and we had dinner the night before Cavallino, and uh, coincidentally, two of the three judges that was judging Mars class was at dinner, so, uh, you know, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was great, good and bad, I don't know, but that's right. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was very interesting. Greg Jones and Larry Benson, both, you know, long-time Ferrari owners and restorer. You know, Greg Jones, restorer, obviously, and, and Larry Benson, a, a, a judge. And so I said to Mark, you know, as, as these three guys are coming out, two of them, he just had dinner with them. I was like, boy, Mark, I'm really glad you didn't have that extra beer telling Greg Jones and everything that was wrong with your car. <laughs> and what's funny is we, the way they placed the field, for whatever reason, we were surrounded plus two group was surrounded by by brand new stuff, you know, F50s, right. F40s. Right. They, they, they stuck us in, in with two plus twos and somebody had decided that, you know, a comparable two plus two is a Mondial. And nothing against a Mondial, I just think it's a different era and a different, uh, you know, different design, different everything. And it, it kind of stuck us way in the back. But, uh, you know, as things change and things, as these cars get older, maybe they'll change. But that was a weird thing. And they came... They had to, to, in order to judge this class, these three guys who are probably more familiar. And uh, uh, John works with, uh, with uh, you know, um, uh, up in Wisconsin and restores cars um, with motion products, you know, owns motion products. Uh, they're more known for their high-end, you know, vintage Ferrari uh, cars, and they judged, you know, this class, which also was a mix. It's kind of like they had to shift gears, judge a, a queen mother, and then also Judge Amandial, right next to it in the same class. But, and, uh, and of course, Greg, Greg Jones, when he lived in France, his daily driver was a 365 GT. Right, so very familiar. So we intimate, kind of, intimately so we're trying to figure car. out, is this going to help or is this going to you know, work against you on your car? Very proud of our work, very proud of uh, you know, how the car looked. We, we uh, you know, Mark had it uh, detailed professionally, so it would, it's, look, it's never looked better. It never, we had a, a professional detailer down here in Orlando do it at, at uh, Bill Tracy's house. We watched them detail some other cars that Bill had brought over, friends of his, and, and just saw it. And we said, you know what, if, if you're going to detail your car for the first time professionally, um, and I've seen the results on even Brian's car, uh, Brian Phillips car up in, in uh, you know, the D.C. area, I said, you know, look, this is the time to do it. You're going to take it to one of the biggest events you know, that you've gone so far, you know, you, this is the time to, to see how, how it's going to be. And and, um, and the car was spectacular. But at the same time, here are these judges that, hey, they've seen the best. In fact, they've built some of the best. And um, so we don't, we weren't sure if we're going to, you know, well, so, I, I so was, now we're all saying, are we going to win anything? You know? I was standing there and I was watching and 
they were burning up the pens on the clipboard, so right. I was getting pretty nervous. Right. And they, when they're done, of course, you, you, uh, you adrenaline operate rushes everything. Out of your, yeah, adrenaline rushes out of your blood system, and you're like, oh boy, let's go. So you went to the dinner. Went to the dinner, and um, you know, our group was a group 10, so it took a little while for them to get to us. I was sitting with some great people. In fact, other 2 plus 2 owners that I met, we kind of all sat together, so we we're kind of all in the same boat. And you actually had another 365 GT2 plus two. That was also they 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 were right. Virginia Beach, so they were very close to another you know coincidence that was pretty close. exactly. So it came time to give the awards, and the, I heard him say for the for a silver, a 1969. Well, again, I was pretty certain that was me, and we won a silver on the car at at Cavallino. And, and now and that's that's great. I mean, you know, I think everybody who shows and shows again and again always hope to to raise the bar and, and keep achieving a higher and higher award. And you know, it, it, Mark came home and was a little, you know, I can't say disappointed. Maybe he was disappointed. He was hoping for better. But you know, the thing is, the the achievement of, of a silver, uh, the fact that you can go home with something is great. And I, and I certainly came home. With, I came home with a silver and from Watkins. I'm very proud of it. And, and the thing about it is, as I explained, it was like, you know, Cavallino is is a really big event. And it changes sometimes judging. Yes, is it fair or not fair that you get a really hard-nosed judge or, or a very, you know, less, you know, a lot more lenient judge. The idea of it is that they're trying to, I think they're also want you to, to achieve more by showing how you can make your car perfect, perfect. And, and, and Greg came to me after the judging and said, look, you know, I'd be happy, you know, since I judge this, to sit down with you and Mark and, and, and tell you all the little things. It's not big things. It's not like you have to redo the Baranis because they're just too rusty and, and they're cruddy and they're not going to, you know, we take points off of that. Or this. It wasn't something that was like, you know, you're going to have to spend $10,000 to make this car right. He was saying, you know, look, there's a lot of little details that you guys can do. Mark's kind of real into it. I mean, as much as he's into driving, hey, we drove it 1,100 miles down here, and we're on the way home now. So he drives the car. So I'm, I think driving 1,100 miles is a personal achievement. You're not comparing to the world whether or not it's a, you know, excuse the expression of a pissing contest of, you know, well, I want a, a silver and I want a platinum. And I'm saying a personal achievement as we drove 1,100 miles, of which now everyone on the site knows, down to Cavallino, shine the car up, brought it to show, won an award, and are driving home. That's the spirit that I would like to convey to people out there. How many cars on that show field drove 5, 10 miles off of the trailer around Palm Beach and then show, you know, that are half the age, less than, you know, maybe even 2, 3 years old and, and, and do that. And you know what? That's all we need to know. And among us and among the website, we know what we did. And, and Everybody up and down 995 that sees this old girl traveling down at high speed, that's that's what we know. That's the public perception that I, I'm proud of, and, and Mark should be, too. And I, and I am, and I think what I've, what I've determined from talking with different people is on the judging is that each judge has certain things and certain parts he's going to focus on. And I believe that, honestly, to get a true evaluation of your car, you almost have to be judged three different times sure. by three Absolutely. different judging groups. Like you said, you're going to get lenient judges, you're going to get really hard nosed you're going to get judges that know everything about a 365, and then you're going to get judges that may know nothing about a 365. I mean, how much do they know? There's the body of knowledge to judge something is so, you know, so deep that, that you have to, you, 
you know, to, to, to be able to, to get, you know, when they assign the judging in the morning and all of a sudden this is your judging two plus two classes and now you've got a checklist and you're all of a sudden checking two plus twos, which one set's a Mondial and the next one's a, that's a lot of knowledge that you could just say, okay, no problem, I can judge all this. Right. And then to be able to tell the owner definitively and maybe not so definitively sometimes what's right and wrong on the car and that's why I take points off for it. So you do need to judge several times. And some days, you know, you'll get the Platino easier than another day that you're going to get a Platinum and, Award. And that's just the way it is. But, you know, again, it's all for fun, I hope. And my goal is not to have a 100-point car because there's some things on the car that I've had done to make the car more drivable. For example, the alternator. Uh, I run an AC Delco alternator because I know it's charging all the time and I feel more comfortable with that. And the amount of times I drive... I don't want to be stranded somewhere, and if the alternator ever gives out, I can get an AC Delco alternator anywhere. Right. Well, that's I think that's you know a couple of points I'm losing. Well, that's a couple that's of points I'm it. going to lose every right. time. That's worth it. So it's all in what you're after. But I do enjoy the concourses, and I think a third time of being judged, I will have had the opportunity to respond to just about everything they've come up with right. and right. feel pretty comfortable with right. the car. And you know, I know some people complain about, oh, I was one point away from the platinum, or I was one point away from this or that. You know, there's there's always, it's, it's life, really. I mean, you really can't get crazy about it. We're not we're not judging between life and death. You know, the difference of, oh, I was one second away from living or dying. You know, you're, you're, you're one point away from getting another award. You know, that, that's okay. A loss like that I can take. And, and, and the gain to all that is that we had a lot of fun we made a lot of new friends. I hope Mark had a good time on this trip. Um, you know, and uh, and that's what it's about. And 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 the and the, and the award that he's going to take home not only reminds him of the silver that he won in 08, but also the the time that he had at Cavalino. And that, that's what I'm hoping that he, he and I, I'm sure he is going to bring home with him. So I want to thank Mark for uh, doing this podcast, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, you know, if you want to read anything more about this trip. You know, just look up, uh, you know, around January, at the end of January 08, you know, on the, on the website, and then you'll be able to follow along a little bit more in detail all the other things that kind of happened over that weekend. So, uh, thanks, Mark. I hope. Know, I'm sure we'll hear more about your car, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it sounds like a great beginning. And I hope everybody enjoys my story and is uh, motivated to be a driver. Great. Thanks. <laughs>